0: Blog Talk Radio. Here's Dalcenyi
1: dancing. Galchen-
2: Alex Del Cheney up for the drop, he's in the wall, waiting, scores! Well, i ladies and gentlemen, I
0: no, not get a jump! This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, good
2: afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 209 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, April 29th, 2017. My name is Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And well, uh, after we left you in our last episode, it was uh, prior to game number six, Canadians were down in the series by a score of 3-2. Uh, to two. And then the New York Rangers while well, in game number six at Madison Square Garden with a 3-1 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. And with that, that sent the Montreal Canadiens to the offseason. So no more Canadian hockey, at least on the ice. For the next couple of months. But as you always know, off season is very, very busy when it comes, whether it be the Montreal Canadiens or the world of hockey altogether. And an extra uh, activity taking place uh, this year during the off season will be the expansion draft, which will uh, f- for sure uh, bring in some more trades uh, right before the expansion draft and right after the expansion draft as the teams prepare for, their, um, for for next season. Our question of the day for today's episode, well, pretty simple one. You consider this season to be a success for, for the Habs. You can let us know via the Habs360 Twitter account, and you can also visit the All Habs Facebook page and leave your comments uh, there. And joining us in about 30 minutes' time will be Douglas Gallivan, sports anchor on CBC Montreal. He was covering the Rangers' half Series for CBC on the road as well. So he'll be here to talk about that and to give us his comments on what is to come for the Montreal Canadiens during the offseason. Joining me now, my, my co-host for the day. He'll be on with us. Uh, for the first segment only, as he is on the road uh, covering the uh, the ice caps uh, in Syracuse, uh, it wasn't a happy ending for them. We're going to talk about that uh, later on in the first segment. Editor in chief and director All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, All Habs. It's a uh, Rick Steven Tyburn, Rick.
1: I'm doing all right, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, these shows are always a little bit. Uh, tough uh, looking back and, and uh, but it's it's always good to talk about Habs hockey and, and as we look back we can also think about what's coming um, over their horizon in the future and I think the future is bright for the Montreal Canadiens
0: And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Hams 360
2: Alright it's time now for the most popular segment on the Habs 360 podcast when I want to remind you, Hap360 the most informative and interactive podcast that you'll find. And well, for today's episode, our winners and losers uh, will be a little different than usual. Uh, normally, our winners and losers are for the past seven days, but for today's episode, we're going to choose our winners and losers of the series between the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Rangers. And by the way, you can let us know yours by sending us a tweet at tabs 360 and uh, during our interactive segment uh, later on. Uh, we'll definitely read yours uh, out as well and give your, uh, give your comments. Well, the Montreal Canadiens, they lost the series. So we're going to begin with our losers uh, of the series and well, I'm going to, Put my nomination in for the Canadians captain Max Pacioretty, in the six game series. He got one assist, finished with minus two, and all this by uh, having an average time on ice of uh, 20 minutes and 44 seconds. So I'm not here putting a sole blame on the loss on uh, Max Pacioretty, but if you look at the goals scored in the series between the Canadians and the Rangers, if you remove the empty net goals, the Rangers only scored one goal more than the Habs. The Canadians, in fact, set a new franchise record low for the fewest goals in the six-game series. They scored 11. So that's not a lot. So how much would the series have changed if Max Pacioretty would have scored just one goal? What about that breakaway in game number six? we had the opportunity, if you would have, put, if you would have been able to score uh, at that time, how different would the series between the Canadians and the Rangers would have been? I'm not saying uh, if you would have scored, that Canadians would have won, but definitely the momentum would have been heading into the Montreal Canadiens' favor. Uh, uh, so, is one goal too to ask for Max Pacioretty, getting goal scorer for the team? I don't think it isn't. I don't think it is too much to ask. Let's hear uh, Max Pacioretty with his comments on his playoffs, and then we'll hear from McLean's coach, Claude Julien. Uh, um, you know, everyone will have their own opinion on it, so it's, it's kind of a uh, tough thing to talk about, but
3: um, I have to take ownership for obviously not producing offensively. Um, whenever the puck doesn't go in, um
4: People tell me to worry about the process, and and the result will take care of itself, and and I did that. I think I did a really good job of that, Um, just worrying about uh, what I could control and and worrying about my game, and and I feel the process was there. But, um, you know, I still have to do a better job of
3: of, uh, achieving the result that I want and and, uh, our team wants. So, um, you know, it's only one of these situations that I I can learn
4: from and get better from, Um, but I feel the, the right mindset and process is
3: there he takes a lot of responsibilities on his shoulders, which he did again during the playoffs. You know, uh, Even though he didn't score, he led us in scoring chances. He had the most scoring chances of our group. So it's not from lack of trying. And sometimes you got to make this guy understand that because you're being told that you're not scoring doesn't mean that from the inside of the, the, the walls of our dressing room, we don't see him Uh, trying his best and really wanting to score goals you know he's going to tell you he's the first one to tell you I I failed because I didn't score but he didn't fail at trying he really tried and and led us that way Uh, he fought you know he did everything he could to show his leadership you know Uh, so I want him to know that uh, you know he's he's got our support uh, and we recognize those things that he does
2: And Rick, we heard Derek Cole really talking about he got the most scoring chances. He wasn't able to finish. Uh, That's nice to say, but uh, uh, hockey—it's in—it's a sport of where results matter. Uh, It counts when a puck goes in. So, what were your thoughts on um, the captain's playoffs?
1: Well, I think uh, I understand the the nomination, and uh, as you say, results matter. And the fact is that. Max Patrietti didn't score when the Canadians needed him to score and and uh, for that that responsibility uh, is is partly on him and I think he has accepted responsibility for that um, i but i I have to agree with um, coach julien here uh, the fact that team in shots throughout the playoffs Max Patrietti led in scoring chances throughout the playoffs um, he was. You know, there's 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 uh, a lot of bad narratives out there that he's you know he doesn't care he has no heart um, he's too soft I think all that's nonsense absolute nonsense uh, it's obvious that he cares in fact probably cares and and internalizes things too personally um, and and we heard uh, Julianne mention that also um, heard uh, Julianne uh, say that Max Pacioretty you know he has to remind Pacioretty at times of what's really important that there's things outside of hockey um his family and so on to make sure that he doesn't get too bogged down by this i mean the the things that are said about Max Pacioretty, and they've been said all year long are just silly um you know and and they change he say oh he's too soft um and then in game six, he goes out and takes down Jimmy uh, BC and, uh, you know, shows his grit and his heart and, and that will do anything to, to help his team. And then the goalposts move and, and the narrative is, oh, well, he really hurt his team by being in the penalty box for uh, the seventh Um So I think the, the unfortunate part of this is that, that, uh, Michelle Tarian and Max Pacioretty were blamed for P.K. Subban, Subban's exit from Montreal. And now that Tarian's gone, all of that blame, all of the targets, all of the really vicious stuff uh, from the P.K. Subban lemmings are are focused at Pacioretty. And so a lot of it isn't fair. It's just a motion that's, that's being directed at Fans who are are more fixated on the name on the back of the jersey than the crest on the front, and that's sad, because I think, Patrae, really understands what it means to be a, a Canadian. Really under, re, is really proud of what it is th- th- to represent that team, and to be the captain. and And he's he's really grown into that role this season. And uh, so results weren't there, but but not for not for a lack of trying and certainly not for a lack of heart.
2: And one thing that I find unfortunate is with the way that his season ended during the off season, everybody's going to remember his him not scoring a goal in the playoffs, and they're going to forget about the 35 goals that he scored during the regular season, his contribution that he did there. But, uh, you know, like they say, what I've done for me lately, I guess for Max Pacioretty, that the, the six games against the, uh, the New York Rangers. All right, Rick, why don't we move on now and you tell us who is your loser of the series?
1: Well, continuing on with that results oriented kind of uh, thought, um, uh, the Canadians weren't able to get past the Rangers. um, And I don't think they had the personnel to get past the Rangers, Uh, they didn't have strength down the middle. they didn't have a a proper first line center, um, so if I'm picking a loser for this series, that has to be Mark Bergevin. Did a lot of uh, good things, a lot of mediocre things, a lot of uh, and some bad things too during the season. But the bottom line is he didn't he didn't have the personnel in place to allow the Canadians to get past the Rangers or or to go any further, even if they had gotten past the, the Rangers in the playoffs, uh, not producing. Um, but you know, it was pretty easy for the Rangers to focus on him and shut him down because, uh, the Canadians didn't have a legitimate first line center to feed him the puck. That's a sniper. Um,
2: Okay, Rick, we're losing you a bit. Uh, so just to uh, to move on to uh, what Rick was uh, mentioning, if you look at the players that the Canadians acquired uh, at the trade uh, deadline, which is uh, Steve Ott, uh, Jamie Benn, uh, Dwight King, uh, Davidson, and Martinson, they got no points during the postseason. And, well, don't uh, get me wrong, uh, I don't think that uh, Mark Brezhman did acquire those players to uh, to, to get uh, to go on the board. They were brought in mostly from from the physical aspect to bring some physical game, add some physicality for the Canadians for the, uh, the postseason because obviously it uh, seems like uh, the coach, the GM, or maybe even including co- Claude Gillet thought that that is what is lacking for the Canadians to have a long and uh, playoff long run in the, the playoffs in the postseason. So, so Mark Bergevin is Rick's nomination for the loser of the series, and I just want to keep in mind that when it comes to review the entire season of the Montreal Canadiens, that will come uh, during next episode. So let's move on now to our winners of the, the the week. So I'm going to choose with I'm going to start off with my winner and mine winner of the week is Shea Weber. Uh, there's not there's not much to say about uh, Shea Weber. If you watch the games, he was the best defenseman and for the Canadians and it wasn't even close. He was physical, intimidating. Uh, Didn't make um, any mistakes. And lots of scoring chances as well. Like you finished a series with six games played. uh, In the six games played, you got three points, one goal two assists, with a plus one. And you played almost an average of 28 minutes of ice time. So that's pretty much half the game that Shea Weber was uh, on the ice. And it was a question mark for me before the full season started, there was actually a question mark for me at the beginning of the season as well on how Shea Weber would look after an 82-game season. And while Shea Weber proved me wrong, he was at the top of his game in that six-game series against the New York Rangers. I think the only criticism that I'm able to find for Shea Weber uh, during uh, the series against the Rangers, well, he had a couple of goal posts. Uh, there was an opportunity where he was, there was a glove save by Henrik Lundqvist. So just like the rest of the Canadians, a couple of scoring opportunities, he wasn't able to uh, to finish them off. But now I'm mistaken. But uh, Rick, was back overall, Shea Weber, he had a pretty good series.
1: Uh, you, you can't ask any more from Shea Weber. Um, he contributed offensively. Um, he was a beast to play against the Rangers didn't like to play against him um very solid defensively um he was a, a a leader on and off the ice um and and a real workhorse as you said playing the the, the 28 minutes uh a game um i think that that um shea weber was had a, a superb playoffs with one of one of the canadians that that was uh, really outstanding and um you know, I, I can't think of anything to criticize him on it as, at all. Um, I really enjoyed watching his play.
2: All right, so a good nomination there for Shea Weber and Rick Wanch, tell us Who is your winner of the series between the Canadians and the Rangers?
1: Well, I think in a general sense, and we'll include Shea Weber in this. Um, I liked the Canadian lead, the Canadians' leadership throughout the series. Um, you know, they, the Canadians overcame some adversity during the, the, um, season to get into the playoffs. Um, and, and I think a large part and, and through the, the series as well, as, as they move along, I, I, I think, um, the leadership was definitely a factor in their success, um, this season and in the, in, in the series, um, it, it was it, it was a very different situation this year than last. Um, Carey Price, Shea Weber, as you mentioned, Max Pacioretty, who we talked about, uh, Andre Markov, and Thomas Plekanec. Um, I would, there wasn't necessarily the results we wanted, but I liked the way they all played in in the series against um, the Rangers. Um, I, you know we mentioned Pat uh he didn't produce, but he didn't play badly uh Carey price um <laughs> there was people oddly pointing fingers at him after the series, which were uh, you know he he was he was superb in the in the in the playoffs um, andre markov um you know people were worried that he'd have enough when he got to the playoffs he was he was great on the first pairing. Um, Thomas Placanitz, who had a rough season, um, showed why he is so valuable and played extremely well in the playoffs. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I think that core of the Canadians um, and the strength that they showed bodes well for, um, for next season and beyond.
2: I know here, Rick, so, so sorry, that's a good nomination as well for winners of the series. So it's it's fine for uh, Habs fans, analysts, ourselves, to, uh, to point fingers uh, to uh, certain people, so the GM or whatever we decide to point our fingers on. But I think at some point, we also got to give credit to the New York Rangers, especially the goaltender, Henrik Lundqvist, who, when we were previewing the series, the big question mark we had was Henrik Lundqvist, but then in the series, he he was amazing. So uh, credit as well to the New York Rangers for, for winning, and they moved on to the next round, but they did definitely play a good series as uh, as well. Like I mentioned, you can let us know who your winners and your losers of the Canadian Series are by letting us, let us know via Twitter at have 360 at Twitter time.
0: This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network.
2: All right. So as you could hear, uh, Rick, he's on the road. He was covering the uh, the Saint John Ice Caps in Syracuse uh, as uh, they were finishing off the series against Syracuse Crunch last uh, last night. And Rick, the 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 Ice Caps finished on the wrong side of the series. And sorry, we just lost Rick on the phone. Uh, but the Saint John Ice Caps. They lost their sixth game series against the Syracuse Crunch. They lost um, by a score. I'm going to pull that up for you guys in a second. They lost by a score of 2-1. It was an exciting game that went into uh, overtime, and Ricky's back on the line. So, Rick, you are on-site part of the AHL.Report team. Talk to us about the last night's game
1: yeah it was uh it was an exciting game as as was Wednesday's game um uh, the ice caps played well in in Wednesday's game um they went into last night being down um two games to one uh in um best of 5 format uh so their backs were against the wall they needed to win um the uh Syracuse Crunch um they're the uh, uh Tampa Bay Lightning affiliate. Um, they scored in the first period a power play goal. And um, it was a very close, tight, um, aggressive kind of game, of physical feisty throughout. Um, and that one nothing lead held up until about five minutes to go when Stefan uh tied the game uh, on the power play for the ice caps. Um, it the contest went into overtime, and just about two minutes into overtime, former um, IceCaps captain Gabriel Dumont ended it uh, for the um, for the Syracuse Crunch. They'll move on to face the Toronto Marlies, and the season is uh, over for the IceCaps. Uh, but lots of positives, um, lots of things to be excited about, given the the number of prospects that. Uh, their development has uh, improved over the year, and the fact that that the ice caps made the the playoffs um, uh, for the first time in a very long time, so um, uh, a sad ending to the season but but a very uh, successful season uh, for the St John's Ice caps, who will uh, soon become the Lidel rocket. Yeah, so that was definitely
2: uh, the last game of the franchise. Uh, in Saint John, so the folks in Saint John, who I think uh, Rick, you're close to the uh, close to the ice caps than I am, but I think the city of uh, of Saint John's, the whole area, really embraced the team, and I'm sure they're going to miss it going forward.
1: Absolutely, and and we have to kind of acknowledge that uh, prior to the the Montreal franchise being there, there was the Winnipeg Jets franchise. There was the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs franchise, so they've had AHL hockey for about 20 years in St. John's, uh, Great Hockey Town, and uh, they're going to they're going to miss uh, uh, the ice caps. Um, uh, most certainly, um, it's uh, you know it's been a, a pleasure for us to have um, some some fine talented uh, reporters uh, on scene in St. John's who have. Uh, 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 reported on the games and and uh, taking the photos that we've been sharing with you and then uh both Amy Johnson and I have been pleased to uh follow the team on the road and cover uh, most of the road games um to be able to 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 bring you kind of the inside picture of the of the farm team of the um Montreal Canadiens as well um I'll just also mention about the ECHL franchise the Brampton Beast uh, they are in the second round of the playoffs um, and uh, they've been uh, exciting in their own respect um, very dramatic win the other night um, prospect Canadians prospect Connor Crisp uh, tied the game late against the uh, Manchester Monarchs the uh, the affiliate of the Los Angeles Kings and then Connor Crisp was uh, got the game winner in overtime, um, and so the, uh, the Brampton Beasts were up one nothing in their series on the Manchester Monarchs. I should also mention Zach Bucalli, another prospect for the Canadians, had 45 saves in that game. So they entered tonight's game, uh, game two, uh, up 1-0 um, in that series.
2: All right, so thank you very much for the updates, Rick. Uh, safe travel, and we'll talk to you again uh, next week.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Uh, good luck the rest of the show.
2: All right, Thank you very much.
0: This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network.
2: So, well, as you heard, the Rocket Sports Media team was oh, going all over um, <laughs> North America, the U.S., to, and Canada and St. John's to cover the St. John Ice Caps and the uh, Brampton Beast. And don't worry, next season, uh, the Ice Caps are moving to Laval. They're going to become the Laval Rockets. And the Rocket Sports Media team will be all over that coverage uh, as well. All right, still to come on the Habs 360 podcast, a question of the day: Do you consider this Habs season to be a success? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs 360, and you can also leave your comments on the All Habs Facebook page. But coming up next, we're going to be joined by Douglas Gallivan, sports anchor on CBC Montreal. He's going to talk to us about the Habs Ranger series and things to look ahead during the off-season. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, feature on allhabs.net.
0: For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
2: If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you.
0: I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at Rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net.
2: All right, welcome back. It's episode 209 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, April 29, 2017. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And uh, joining us now on the line uh, to help us recap the series between the Canadians and the Rangers, and to look ahead to the Canadians off-season. He's a sports anchor on CBC Montreal. It's Douglas Galvan. How are you doing, Doug?
4: Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on.
2: No problem. It's uh, my pleasure, as usual. And, Doug, uh, you know, as soon as the season is over, uh, whether it be Canadians fans, uh, analysts, uh, we start playing the blame game, pointing fingers to yep. the captain, the general manager, Carey Price, Claude Julien, etc., I could go on and think every player has had this finger pointed uh, to him uh, after the series. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> so you were covering the series for a CBC Montreal home and away at Madison Square Garden. Uh, what did you see? What do you think went wrong for the Canadians in that six-game series?
4: Well, I mean, Bergeron built this team to play in close games, but I don't think he expected the scoring to dry up to the level that it did in the end. I mean, you look at an elimination game in game six and the only player that's scoring for you is a guy by the name of Alexi Emelin. I mean, it's nice to get a goal from him, but if he's the only one scoring for you in your last uh, five periods plus overtime in the playoffs, you've got some uh, deep issues going on there. So I don't think it's revolutionary to say that the scoring dried up, dried up for the Montreal Canadians. That ended up being, Uh, their downfall Uh, you know when you have a guy like patch 35 goals in the regular season zero goals in the playoffs that's just not good enough you have a guy like alex galchenyuk a highly touted sniper that you're expecting to play up to a guy going into a contract year play uh, above his ability sort of uh, make that money for next year and he's he's a no-show as well i think those are the two biggest uh, players that you can point to as far as the failing and the Offense goes, and then if you want to go even a little bit deeper, I mean, you can point the uh, the finger at Shea Weber a little bit as well. Uh, the Pab's power play uh, didn't get it done in those final couple games, and Weber was a guy who they brought in to uh, provide that, and uh, well, he did bring some other things to the to the ice, uh, and the fact that the Montreal Canadiens did play some pretty solid. Uh, defensive and hockey, uh, uh, you still have to look at the fact that they just didn't score enough to get it done. I mean, if you throw want to throw a couple of flowers at the Montreal Canadiens at the end of the year for something that they did do properly, it's, you, you look at that defense. I mean, they didn't allow very much on the New York Rangers side of things. So, if that's the way that you're trying to build a team, kind of a shutdown style, they did enough to shut them down. What was it? 12 goals minus uh, the two that they are uh, 14 altogether. I think they allowed uh, two of them were empty netters, but 12 goals in six games. I mean, come on, that's uh, should be enough to uh, win in the playoffs. You just need to score uh, three or, uh, or better to, to win each game and the Montreal Canadiens just simply weren't able to do that. And now you have to, look and point your finger a little bit at the general manager. I mean, uh, there was the trade deadline that went by and he came out to the podium at uh, the, uh, the practice facility in Brossard. And he said, like, this is uh, what we're going with. And uh, I think we have what we need to win close games. And they just simply uh, didn't have it. And five years into this term of Mark Bergevin, people are starting to wonder what, what do you do? What do you say here? He's had his uh, opportunity to, to build and grow or go get a number one center or even a number two center, and the Montreal Canadiens end up getting taken down by the fact that they didn't have that guy that they could lean on when it mattered most in the playoffs.
2: So if you look at uh, the first couple of seasons when uh, Marc Bregevin took over the team, uh, I think Habs fans in general were super excited. Everybody loved Marc Bregevin. But is it safe to say that uh, that honeymoon is over between Habs fans and the GM?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the honeymoon period, we've we've eclipsed that. I think last season, when they didn't make the playoffs, that was a pretty testy end-of-year press conference. I don't think there was any illusions at that point that the pressure was on Bergevin. Uh, of course, the fact that he's got that big contract extension in that year and he's on for another five years makes it a little difficult to kind of move on from him. But, you know, he's had five years, and it's completely legitimate to now start wondering you know, is he ever going to come through and get that player that uh, a, a team needs to win the Stanley cup? You look at the teams that go ahead and are advancing in the playoffs. They have uh, big name guys up the middle and the Montreal Canadians just don't have that. And one of the things that was concerning to me was when Bergevin was speaking at the end of the year and uh, kind of hinted to the fact that maybe we're going to have to win without a number one center. And the question was raised. I mean, well, can you give me an example of a team that doesn't have a player like that in the best he could come up with was that Jonathan Taves isn't uh, a a prolific number one center in the, in the, in the definition that we were kind of placing it under and the Chicago Blackhawks were able to win with him. And I, you know, the the Habs don't have a guy of his level in, in, in that uh, area. So you have to kind of now, I mean, should, pardon.
2: Yeah. Isn't Philip Dano Jonathan (laughs) Taves?
4: Well, Philip Dano is a, certainly an NHL player.
2: We'll put it that way. But as far as number
4: one and number two, I don't think that's that's going to get it done. But uh, listen, I mean, it's been five years, and Bergman's kind of moving the goalposts a little bit here by saying, you know, maybe we can win without it. And also, you got to wonder from a fan's perspective now, should. The expectation even be that he is going to go out and develop or get that number one play center up the middle for the Montreal Canadiens because it's starting to look like uh, when he turns to the media and he says, well, listen, guys, I mean, I'd love to get that piece. I mean, we've been trying to get that piece, but hey, it's really hard to do that. And people that have that player aren't going to be giving up that player. And then he turns around and says, no excuses, but it's just really really hard. So what should the expectation be from fans? Should the expectation be that this is just not going to happen within the next five years or within the next couple of years, or should the expectation be that he's still working on it and it is going to happen and we can kind of hold him to that if and when it doesn't uh, turn out that way. So he's kind of put himself on both sides of the fence here. I'm not sure what the strategy is behind that, but I I also understand a, a guy in his position who has failed at this point to deliver on that reasons why that didn't happen and reasons why he's still worth the money that he's getting paid to build a hockey team that is uh, fundamentally flawed up the middle of the ice. I mean, there's a lot of nice pieces there and we've always kind of applauded Mark Bergevin for what he's able to do with third and fourth line guys and depth players and get them onto a team. And you can't win without those guys. You can't just say that that is not useful what he's doing there but when you're missing that key piece and you don't see something coming up from the AHL next season or a bunch of young players and you get that kind of envy looking over at a team like Toronto or Edmonton in that sense and you see them on the rise with all these young players and you're just wondering what exactly is this general manager doing to set this team up for success in the future not to mention all of the pieces that he has for the now that he has to deal with at this point you've got A lot of questions moving forward as to what this team is going to look like next year. This team was built to win this year. It was a trade you make with P.K. Subban in exchange for uh, Shea Weber. That's a guy who's got a lot of future potential in exchange for a guy who's more of a win-now kind of player player. You load up uh, with an Alexander Radulov, a guy who's going into an a, a unrestricted free agency, and you have Carey Price coming to the end of a contract which is reasonably priced where he's going to be demanding a lot of money. So there's uh, kind of a transition happening here, and I know Mark Bergevin doesn't believe in the idea of windows to win, which is, you know, kind of an interesting one to me. You know, I could also believe that the sky isn't blue, but it is blue, you know. There are windows of winning, and the windows are what you set up with the contracts that you sign with the players. So, uh, well, he might philosophically think of it differently, there are windows to win, and the Habs one looks like it is closing very
2: quickly as far as what you're going to get out of this group of core players. And like you mentioned, last uh, last. Year during the offseason, he made a big trade, uh, Weber for Subban. He went and he signed uh, Rajlov to help uh, the team. During this offseason, do you see him potentially trading an impact player to try to get uh, a big name to address the scoring?
4: Well, I mean, you'd like to see something like that, but I just don't know how much value he has in the guys that he's willing to move right now. I mean, look at uh, Alex Galchenyuk. This guy was coming into a contract year, restricted free agent. I mean, maybe at the beginning of the year, you could have moved him for a big piece that would work out, but the way that he played near the end of the year, how much is this guy even worth right now? Another piece that you could move, Nathan Beaulieu, a guy who started the year as the team's top two pairing with Shea Weber, ended the year sitting in the press box uh, with us at Madison Square Garden. So how much are you actually reasonably expected to get from him, even if you throw him in with a package of another player? Uh, Alex Radulov is a guy who's an unrestricted free agent, so there's no value in moving that player. So when – and then you talk about other people have mentioned to me maybe trade Max Pacioretty, but that just doesn't make much sense based on what he's earning right now at around $4.5 million per season for a 35-goal scorer in the NHL. That's an absolute steal. And as much as you want to jump on Pacioretty for his failure to put the puck in the net in the playoffs – you also have to remember that you got to get to the playoffs as well. And a guy who can give you 35 goals in the regular season at $4.5 million per year is someone that you're just not going to be able to trade and get equal value for. So that guy's not going anywhere. So then you kind of go down the line and who else is there even left? I mean, you've got Shea Weber. That's a big piece. And you've got, Terry Price, that's a big piece, so if you could move one of those potential guys for another uh, big time player in the centerman position, I mean that's an option, but again, you're kind of just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic creating a gigantic hole on one area to fill a need at another area, so from Bergeron's side of things, he's got to kind of get creative, like he said, if he wants to make that big kind of move, or you know start exploring some uh, potential uh, free agent signings there's one name that is a bit intriguing to me. At, I'm not sure how realistic this is, and the fact that he just had a knee surgery is also concerning as well, but you look at a guy like Joe Thornton. That's a guy who can play up the middle. Yes, he's old, but if you can get him at the right price and if he wants to come play in Montreal, it doesn't sound like San Jose has a big appetite to re-sign him and Patrick Marlowe. Maybe that's a guy you can bring in and can help you up the middle, but right now they need help up the middle. There's not really any pieces from the Habs team that I could see you packaging together to move to get one of those big time players uh, without moving one that uh, really hurts your team in the longer term. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for the Habs. You kind of have to wonder what now with this team, because uh, the best case scenario that you're kind of looking at, and I don't mean to sort of be too pessimistic here, is that you get the kind of core group back together again and you spin the wheel one more time and you see that may, hope that maybe the result is a little bit uh, different than what it was this time. And y- it's, it's not unreasonable to think that this team could still be playing hockey right now. I mean, they failed in that first round. They weren't able to score, but uh, you do need some breaks as well. I mean, look at what happened in Game 1 between the Senators and the Rangers. That goal that Eric Carlson scored from behind the goal line, I mean, the Habs fans must have been grinding their teeth watching the good fortune of that puck, going off the back of Hendrick Lundquist. They didn't get a bounce like that in six games, but the Ottawa Senators got one, and now they're up one nothing in the series. So there is an element of uh, just unluckiness with this group that the Habs players had this year, and maybe the best-case scenario for this team is to just play it again, Sam. Let's see what we can do. I mean, they were a first-place team the whole way through. You got Price at a reasonable uh, uh, number next year. And uh, maybe you just hope for a couple more bounces next time, even though, I mean, I think if we look a couple of rounds down the line when you run into a team like a Washington or a Pittsburgh, you're going to need more than just a couple of bounces to get past them. But that's certainly what took them down against the Rangers
2: uh, this time around. So so basically what you're saying is Alex Vagilato is coming back next season.
4: <laughs> well, I, I would like to see him come back. He was the most exciting player that the Habs had on their team offensively this year. Um, and it sounds to me like he wants to come back. He's a guy, I mean, I've asked him this, uh, I asked him this at the end of the season, how much it matters to him to play in a market like Montreal where hockey is number one. And he says it's one of his top factors. I mean, I personally believe that when he came to Montreal in the first place, he had other opportunities to go to perhaps non-traditional hockey markets on the table, but decided to come with the Montreal Canadiens at a price that was probably undervalued for him at a term that was probably undervalued for him. Yes. He had all those uh, reputational issues when he left the league the first time, but I'm sure someone would have given him a, a two year deal, but no, he wanted to come to a market where hockey matters, where he gets on the ice every night and you have a full arena of rabid fans who are invested in the game. He's coming from, playing in Moscow where the team is also a kind of a number one draw there as well. And I truly believe that that is important to him. He could go out there and maybe sign with a a team that uh, doesn't have that same level of interest from the fan base. But if I'm Alex Radulov and if I'm his agent, uh, we're maybe conflicting on what to do here because his agent's probably going to want to go out there and get as much money as possible. But Radulov is probably a guy who you could argue would take a, not a substantial, but a hometown discount in a sense to come back to the Montreal Canadians or to go to another hockey market like uh, Montreal. Not that there's anything quite like Montreal, but another market where hockey actually matters. I can't see him going to uh, a market like Arizona, for example, where uh, hockey isn't even number one, two, or three in that market. So uh, for him, I think it really matters that the Montreal Canadiens uh, organization is what it is, and I think that's an advantage to signing him back. But like Bergeron said, the numbers have to work. I mean, Radulov, he's going to be probably asking for more than the 5.75 that he was paid this year, and the term is going to be very important, as Bergeron said in his uh, closing press, press conference 31 is not 25, so you can't be signing this guy to something, anything more than five years, and you're into really dicey territory. And I don't personally believe that the Habs are comfortable at anything more than three to four years with a player like Radulov, but I'm betting there will be offers somewhere in the six to seven-year range for that player, because look at what he created this year. I I mean, his primary assist rates, based on his uh, production, were just beautiful. I mean, every time he had the puck, it just felt like, Something was possible, and there aren 't a lot of guys in the Montreal Canadiens who give you that kind of level of excitement when the pucks on their stick
2: and on uh, July first you uh, Gerva that uh, does a press conference towards the end of the day right after uh free agent deadline uh, sorry free agent deadline has has started uh, Canadians go under carry price big storyline during the off season uh did it seem like we have more contact with Carey Price than our, than us and our listeners, uh, do you think he's really happy to be here in in Montreal?
4: Well, I think people could really breathe a big sigh of relief with just the way that he approached it on the final. Locker cleanout day. The way that he talked about making the numbers work, uh, the way that he approached that question, to me, we can put that kind of Kerry Price will just walk at the end of the season talk. Uh, we can shelf that. We can forget about that. That's not going to happen. Kerry Price. Uh, there's no reason for us not to believe uh, what he's saying. Of course, there's always a negotiation going on, and from Mark Bergerman's side of things, the last thing you want is to have this. Hanging over the team the entire year and he said it is number one priority is to sign Price to a long term deal as soon as possible, which would be uh, on July 1. But if I'm the agent for Terry Price, I would argue that that's not the best move. I would say that, you know what, we can wait. You'll be 31 years old at the end of next season, and the offers will be coming in from everywhere, and you could probably make double what you're making now, if not more than that. Let's see what the market brings for us. There is no other goaltender like Carey Price. That would be the argument there. But we'll see how much of a team player Carey Price is and how much he is willing to sacrifice. Is he more on the Tom Brady side of things where he's restructuring his contract every single year to make sure he's playing with the best players? Or is he a guy who's going to go out after the most amount of money as possible, like say a Carmelo Anthony and forget the fact that we actually have to build a winning team around it. What he said to fans at the end of the season should give everyone hope that he is willing to make the numbers work for the team because he legitimately believes that there's a championship opportunity here in Montreal and he would do what it takes to get that championship team here. And if that means taking a hometown discount, it's a possibility. If I'm his agent, I don't like hearing that at all. If I'm his family, I'm not sure I like hearing that at all either. But if you look at what Terry Price is going from with the five years that he's had with Mark Bergevin, you can also reasonably take the uh, approach that maybe he's not happy here. And I think that's, that was the thing I was worried about before I heard him speak. He's had five years with Mark Bergevin. He's had five years being the best goaltender in the world, and Bergevin has failed to deliver him enough scoring punch up front, do him justice, and maybe Terry Price looks at this situation and says, this isn't the guy to build the championship team in front of me. I'd be better off spending the second part of the prime of my career in a market where they have some pieces in front of me who can put the puck in the net and bring me to the Stanley cup. And it wouldn't be an unreasonable argument for Carrie price to make, but the way that he spoke to fans, I think we can kind of, that's more of a hypothesis that I put out there. The reality of the situation is, and I'm going to take Kerry price at his word that he wants to make this work. And I think fans should maybe relax on that and what he said is something that we can uh, – we'll, we'll see how it pans out on July 1. If we are heading into training camp and Price doesn't have a contract, well, then we can start revisiting that conversation. But until that point, there's nothing that can actually be done as far as the contract goes. And the last words out of Carey Price's mouth was that we want to make it work. And I think fans can rest on that and rest easy on that because there's no reason for us not to believe Perry Price at this point.
2: So a lot of storylines for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, during the off season. And, uh, so Doug, I just wanted to take a couple of seconds to thank you for helping us uh, throughout, uh, the season and we'll be watching. We'll be watching you on CBC Montreal covering the sports like, uh, like you've been doing.
4: Yeah. Thanks very much, Chris. I uh, always appreciate uh, you guys having me on and, uh, listening to my takes here and remember that, uh, I'm also on CBC Home Run every uh, Monday to Friday at 5.50 with about a seven-minute rundown of the day's events of sports. So tune into that, 88.5 FM in Montreal. And, of course, you can always get at me on Twitter at DGelevan. Uh, If you ever want to comment on anything or if you have any story ideas, it doesn't always have to be about hockey. Just throw them my way. I'll be glad to uh, go through them with you and see if we can't get your uh, local athletes and your local story ideas on the air for uh, CBC Montreal. After all, we are your local sports cast. So don't ever forget that.
2: Perfect. Thank you very much, Doug. And Enjoy the, the Habs off season. All right. Cheers, Chris. All right. Thanks. All right, so that was uh, Douglas Gellivan, D. Galvin, on uh, Twitter. So you can follow him for uh, his latest takes on the sports in the Montreal Canadiens scene. All right, we're going to take our final break still to come. Our question of the day, do you consider this season to be a success for the Habs? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360 and you can give us a call toll-free at 1-877-455-4945. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featuring allhabs.net.
0: Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Icecaps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net. The place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net
3: I have mixed feelings. You know, whenever you don't achieve your goal, it's obviously disappointing, but uh, at the end of the day, um, I think a lot of proud of the season that we have. All right, welcome
2: back to episode 209 of the HABS360 podcast. My name is Christy at Christy 1980. And well, we just heard Carey Price saying that everybody in the room is proud for the season of the Canadian side. And well, our question of the day for today's episode. Do you consider this season to be a success for the Habs? We still have a couple of minutes. You can give us a call, toll free at one 455 4945 And let us know your thoughts uh, on this uh, topic. And let's see what uh, our followers had to say on Twitter as had to say the most informative uh, podcast that, uh, that's out there. First tweet comes from uh, Garth Asham. And, well, for Garth, it's pretty simple. It was three thumbs down. After the trade before the season began and bringing in the God of Demon, anything short of a cup is a complete loss. Next one comes from JD Lagrange. writes, define success. If success is to win a Stanley Cup, then no. Considering the disaster of last season, this year was more of a success. So thank you for the tweet. Uh, Mo Bouchard writes making it to the Eastern Conference final would have been a success in my opinion. So thank you for that, Mo. Uh, Baron Von Alex writes a success, a successful failure. (laughs) So I'm not uh, too happy about the Canadian season. Uh, Ryan Boudreau writes absolutely not. Shea Weber was supposed to make the team better and they were most definitely not better. Next tweet comes from Ted McKinney. Right. how is mediocrity deemed a success? Season was a failure. We just played in a weak division. Big fish in a small pond. Thank you for that tweet, Ted. Next one comes from Enigmatic J. Right. when you look at scoring last season, yes. If you look at wind, no. If you look at development and sustaining uh, number one center, yes. If you look at price. So, uh, mixed mixed feelings. Next tweet comes from Andy Hatch. Andy writes, the season was better than last, but the Habs failed to address their need for a proven number one center and scoring depth." So, thank you for the tweet, Andy. And while that's the number one center has been a need Uh, for the Canadians for many, many years. If you go now to the All Habs Facebook page, uh, lots of comments there, some mixed reaction. We're not going to go through them because there's way too many. Uh, One comes from David Gorman who writes, they leaked themselves at the trade deadline. Don't have the scoring to win at all. Need to promote some of the talent in the minors. Not get too old, too slow skaters. Well, David, not much in uh, the AHL for the Canadians coming up, and in fact, even at the uh, end of season press conference, Bergeron said there's no number one center ready to come up for the Canadians uh, next um, uh, next year. Peter writes, I think the Habs are growing, and Bergeron is doing a good job. We're not giving up a ton of a ton to get guys who need to fill the cupboards. They're almost empty, but I think we should look free agents this year. The power play need help, and the Dumper Chase didn't work with the current lineup, but love the addition of Ben and Davidson. Basil Mockwood writes, "No, because he didn't win the Cup. That's the goal, the Cup. So if any team out there didn't win win it, they weren't successful that season either. So go Habs, go. So according to Basil, 29 teams don't have successful seasons." Gord Lines writes, not at all. No top scoring center. Just kill this team. Too many fourth line players. Brejvay needs to go. We will never go anywhere with this lineup of players. Five years too many for Brejvay. Wake up Jeff Molson. Leigh Raymond writes, yes, I do. Compared to last year, it is quite an improvement. The Big Cup will be there within a few short years. Blaine Podvin writes, this season, the expectation was to go deep. An Eastern Conference final was attainable. Not reaching third round or further makes this a missed opportunity. This team lacked size, grit, and scoring. This year, grit and size were added, but not enough scoring. So thank you for your comment, uh, Blaine. Steven Steven writes, yep, moving on from Terrier was all that required this season, and I got it. The rest was a bonus. So once again, regardless of what the question that we ask, the name of Michel Tenge is uh, always uh, out there. Uh, Derek Jr. Rogers Kelly writes, yes, it gambled and nearly worked. So nearly worked, uh, I'm not sure what the definition of what nearly worked. And Ninja Gabriel writes, changes, made, changes makes a difference of what a team can do. Make me to the playoffs is first step. Learning to play together is next, then Stanley Cup can be raised. Go Habs, go. Next one comes from Steph Tracy godella Zing writes, they could at least go to third round, but question marks. What can we do? We are only fans, not players. For the amount they make one season, we would play 10 and still be in our glory. So, so thank you for your comment, Steph. Jan Dascalo writes, season, yes. Very successful first place, but playoffs showed they weren't prepared. Steve Reese writes, I'm a die-hard Habs fan. Let's not forget they were knocked out by a damn good team. No other team has played more playoff games since 2012 than the Rangers. So thank you very much, everybody, for your comments. You can still join in the conversation by visiting the All Habs Facebook page. We also received a tweet from Sean Boudreau for his winners and losers of the series. His losers is Bollier by a mile. Not that I believe he's a terrible player. He he had a bad year series. His winner of the series has to go to carry price. He kept it close. So thank you for the tweet, uh, Sean. And Sean unfortunately, uh you wouldn't it's not unanimous your winner when it comes to carry price, but I'm sure you get a lot of support for your loser, which is uh, Nathan Boyer. So thank you very much everybody for your tweets and your comments.
0: Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on Hams 360.
2: Well, as soon as game number six was over and uh, throughout the uh, Mark Bregerman end of season press conference, there was a lot of bad tweets. So I I could have been here for probably another hour reading a, uh, some bad tweets, but I'm not. There was a lot of tweets that I saw mentioned to trade carry price so if you if you tweeted the Canadians should trade carry price then you're lumped into uh, my bad tweet of uh, the week all right and with that well that will conclude today's episode of the Habs 360 podcast I want to thank uh, Douglas Gallon who joined us earlier on today's episode give us his comments on the Habs Rangers and things to come for the Canadian during season and I want to thank Rick as well who joined us in the first segment for our winners and our losers of um, of the series, and also to give us an update on the uh, ice caps. Programming, programming note, next week will be the season finale of the Habs 360 podcast, and we'll be broadcasting live at a special day and time. Our live broadcast will be Sunday at 2pm Eastern not Saturday, so we're going to an extra day to make sure we collect our thoughts our facts together because next week for our season finale we're going to have our winners and our losers of the season and we're also going to look ahead at the Canadians coming up during the off season most importantly I want to thank you for listening everybody on Twitter for leaving us your comments and as well on the All Habs Facebook page My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at chrisg1980. And don't forget, we're back again next week for another edition of the Habs 360 podcast.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.